Um, I love failing, which might sound weird, but entrepreneurship is all about failing and growing. So I got to a point where I was able to accept failure. When I first started this, I was 18. I knew I was going to make so many mistakes because I didn't have experience. But that's how you get the experience is to fail and make mistakes. But the thing is, you can make the mistakes, but you need to learn from them and grow. Are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them, from the larger than life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell from the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored the entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence so you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews and today I have the pleasure of bringing on Jordan Ray. Jordan, are you there? I am. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So glad to have you here today. For uh, those of you who have been following along with my wife and I's journey, we are still in South Carolina during our travels. And Jordan, you said you were coming in from South Florida? I am. Where in Florida are you coming in from? I am in Wellington, Florida, which is in Palm Beach County. Palm Beach. We didn't actually get to go to the east side when we were down in Florida. We only got to do the uh, west side of Florida. So I look forward to doing that at some point and getting to see Palm Beach and Fort Lauderdale and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you definitely need to make uh, another trip and get down there. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, they, they told us to stay away during the whole pandemic year because apparently Fort Lauderdale was a bit crazy. So we just... Yeah, it. Fort Lauderdale and Palm Beach County was a bit crazy with the pandemic. So... Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully you and your family are all safe and healthy. Um, so, and for, again, for those of you who have been watching for a long time, you've probably noticed I don't have glasses on today. I got contacts yesterday, so that's a, a new thing for me. If uh, wondering what happened to my uh, my glasses, they're, uh, they've been changed up for, for contacts. Uh, and so what I want to do before we get too far into this is introduce Jordan, for those of you who don't know who she is, and then we'll get talking about her story. So Jordan Ray has gone from a star athlete and a brain surgery survivor to serial entrepreneur all before the age of 20. And you are now the founder and CEO of Limitless Medical Logs. Um, you're a keynote speaker and you are an author. So with that sort of brief introduction, why don't you tell us what you're known for now? What's your business like? Who do you serve? And what is it you do for them? Um, I am known for a few things. The business, Limitless Medical Logs, we provide paper medical journals and a digital app to patients like myself who are battling a chronic illness, who need to accurately track pain and symptoms. Um, but I'm also very well known for the advocacy I do for the chronic illness community. I do whatever I can to use my platform to open up the conversation of chronic illness, the support we need, the resources we need that are not there. So those are the two things I am well known for, especially in Palm Beach County. Awesome. So your your app, the Limitless Medical Logs. What is that like? So I understand it's you're logging, you're logging tracking and um, symptoms and whatnot. What what benefit does that have to 
both the the doctor who might look at those logs and the patient who's who's making the logs? Yeah, so the benefit is to both the doctor and the patient of improved communication. Um, when I was first diagnosed with my health condition, my doctor would say to me, how are you feeling? How have you been doing since the last time I saw you a month ago? And I would just stare at him. I don't know. I can't remember. And it kept going on and on and on. And I'm like, there has to be a better way to communicate my pain and my symptoms. Um, and a big thing it also benefits is the stress levels you have. When you have a chronic illness, you're stressed all the time. It's literally a full-time job. And um, I would sit in the uh, waiting room before the appointment and I would scramble and stress about exactly what I had to tell the doctor a month ago. If I had a symptom or, or a rare flare appear a month ago, how am I supposed to exactly remember that? So that is the whole point of Limitless. It's to improve communication between doctors and patients. Awesome. And how, how do, from a business standpoint, how do you guys turn that service into revenue for your company? So we have online sales of the paper medical journal. I actually get a lot of gift orders. So if someone, a cousin or a sister has cancer or any type of chronic illness, I get a lot of those orders. Um, right now for the first three months, the app is completely free because we're on a pandemic. And I realize that community means a lot right now and taking control of your health means a lot. So for three months, it's going to be completely free, but then it's going to go from a free version to also having a premium version. So you'll have like a freemium model where they can get in and use it for a little while or whatever. And then like an upgraded subscription. Yep, exactly. Awesome. And um, have you guys, are you guys live with us already? Are you doing beta testers? Where are you guys at in the, the progress? For the app, we just launched uh, March 1st. So two days ago. Awesome. So you guys are right in. And I know this is probably going to publish a few weeks from now from when we record this. So um, you guys are live on which which platforms are you live on right now? Both Android and uh, iOS. Awesome. And uh, so that's, that's the, uh, the business that you're running now. And I know since that's sort of new, and you mentioned in the, in the bio that you're a serial entrepreneur, what else have you been involved in? Um, uh, real estate, actually, I've been um, trying to get more involved with that. And um, I still I'm a full time student as well. So full time student running the company full time, and then dipping into real estate investing here and there. And uh, one of my end goals is another company I want to start uh, real estate development. So that's what I'm dipping into. Nice. So you got you got a medical uh, medical journal company, and you're also investing in real estate. That's super awesome. And you're, you're yeah. still in, are you you're in college? I assume. I still am. Yes. Yeah. So what uh, what grade are you in in college? I don't know if it's called grade in college or not, but what like year? Um, I am finishing up my junior year. Awesome. So that's that's really cool that you're uh, not even done with college and already have a couple of companies under your belt. Yeah, it's great. And it really actually helps the students as well. My um, The professors will always say to me, Jordan, can you come up and present with the topic we're talking about? Can you give us real life experience as a business owner? And I'm always happy to do that. And my uh, peers would always pull me aside and ask certain questions. So it's great to be able to help them that way because I have that experience. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I remember I, I ran a couple of uh, small, small time businesses in college and had a similar experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's certainly fun to, to be that way. But I, what I want to talk about is your origin story, right? And uh, 
you know, every good comic book hero has an origin story. And it's the thing that made them into the hero they are today. And we want to hear that story. You know, were you born a hero? Um, or you bit by a radioactive spider or whatever that made you want to get into uh, into business and become an entrepreneur? Um, and where did you you know start in a job and you move into this career? I know it's early in your uh, early in your whole whole career, but how did you get to where you are now? So my hero, I would say that softball was what kind of built this foundation that I have and this mindset that I have now. I um, started playing softball when I was four years old. My parents wanted to get me out of their hair for a few hours. I guess I had a lot of energy and they put me in softball. And the minute I stepped onto the field, I instantly fell in love with the sport. And by nine years old, I was a competitive athlete. And all I knew, it became my identity for 13 years. I was a competitive athlete going to play D1 softball. And um, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was 16. And I think... That diagnosis really prepared me for my unexpected future. And I also am so grateful I had my sport at the time because it became my escape during that period. I mean, my my grades were tanking. Everything just seemed to be going wrong except my sport during the time where my mom had um, breast cancer. She went into remission a year later after that. And everything was falling into place. I had scholarship offers. She was now in remission. I mean, I felt on top of the world. And then uh, a month after she went into remission, I unexpectedly blacked out on the softball field, which led to a rare diagnosis of Chiari malformation, which is a serious neurological disorder where my cerebellum extends into my spinal canal, blocking cerebrospinal fluid to and from my brain. And the next thing I know, I'm I'm getting wheeled into brain surgery. So my story really does start as an athlete at four years old. And it's crazy how that period of my life was saved me during my mom's cancer diagnosis and my long-term health condition. So how do you go from having brain surgery before you're 20 to deciding, you know what I'm going to do with this is I'm not just going to suffer from chronic health, I'm going to start a business that helps other people who have similar issues. I actually saw the need for this when my mom was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, she would come home from doctor's appointments and treatments with papers everywhere. Yeah. And she would say, oh crap, I forgot to ask the doctor this or say this or tell them this is how the treatment's going. And I said, I'm like, there has to be a better way to do this. I mean, I felt so helpless and that is absolutely one of the worst feelings. And, but I was 16. I had no clue how to start a business. And I was at the peak of my athletic career. So um, when I blacked out and I was heading into brain surgery, I was now in my mom's shoes in need of a tool that she needed. And I remember I stayed in the pediatric ICU for four days after my surgery. And there was um, two twin boys. They were probably two years old. They drowned a few days before my surgery. So Thanksgiving, my surgery was December 1st. One passed away and the other one was in the room next to me. And my nurses, I call them drill sergeants. They would force me kind of out of the bed and say, okay, let's go. We're doing laps. And I remember I passed by the little boy's room, walking to a window to look outside of the hospital. And I knew I saw tubes. Um, hooked up to him. And I knew that he wasn't getting out of here, but I was. 
And I said, when I get out of here, I will make something out of this situation to help others. And that's where the birth of Limitless came about. That's really fascinating. So you decided that at the peak of your medical career, um, how did you get into um, deciding you needed to create a journal? And what was that? What was that sort of like development process? What did that look like for you? I spent two years developing the journal. I wanted it done right. I wanted tests. I wanted research done. Um, but I knew I was a customer at that point. I was looking for something. I was looking for a journal that can help me track everything for a whole year. And I could never find what I was looking for. So that's where I knew this is where I'm going to start. And then later down the road, the technology will come into place. Yeah. So I designed it in the way that I needed it, but used others' opinions. I used people who had chronic conditions, who had cancer, who had heart conditions. So it ranged. It wasn't just me and my biased opinion. Awesome. So how long, how long did it take you to go from the idea to... I I would say shipping your first product. Um, And I I mean, like once you got past some of the beta testers and you actually had your first like sale where, you know, you sold it to someone or maybe got a gift from someone and actually had a financial transaction involved with that. What was that timeline like? Uh, It started at 18. The development at 20 is when the company officially launched. And actually a few days before I uh, launched it, I said, you know what? I'm going to go to a doctor I know personally. I'm going to see how I can try to sell him. This is kind of going to be my test run. And he ordered 25 books right away. And I was like that. I kind of knew once that happened that this really can be something. And um, so, yeah, it was a two year process. That's really cool. And I know um, just personally, I know a lot of entrepreneurs have a hard time realizing how much time things take to go from idea to Mm -hmm. sale. And, you know, that, that story that, you know, so many people, they give up too much, you know, two feet before they hit oil. Right. Uh, and so in that, in that process, did you ever have any of those difficulties where you're looking like it's, you know, this is taking a long time, you're getting there. And how did you sort of just in your mind, keep the motivation to go, even though it's taking two years to go from idea to uh, to real business? Oh yeah. Every day <laughs> I was frustrated. I was annoyed. Um, it was hard being 18, trying to do this. Like you, uh, I've had small jobs here and there, like waitress or hostess, you know, at 16, 17, I never had a true professional career. I was an athlete. That was my full-time job to get me a scholarship. And um, so I think my story is a little bit different because one, I only knew the perspective as a patient. I didn't know the side of a business owner. So I knew that even in softball, I had days where I wanted to give up. I was mentally exhausted, not just physically exhausted, but I knew I had to keep pushing for the long term, thought the same mindset for business. It could take me two to three years just to develop it, but I'm in for the long term. That's awesome. So that's quite a fascinating origin story to go from star athlete to brain surgery to creating a a product that actually helps people with chronic conditions to actually like being in a selling position where you're actually selling these and, and, and benefiting people's lives. Um, I want to talk a little bit about 
your superpower and how you may have discovered it in that process, right? And we talk on this show all the time, every iconic hero has a superpower, whether that's, you know, a fancy flying suit made by genius intellect or the ability to call thunder down from the sky, or, you know, in Superman's case, it's super strength. In the real world, heroes have what I call a zone of genius, which is either a skill or a set of skills that you were born with or you developed over time, right? And its superpower is what really allows, you know, it sets you apart and allows you to help your clients overcome their villains, help your customers overcome their villains and come on top in their journeys. And the way I like to frame this for people is if you look at all the skills that you have, right, all the ones that you've developed in order to run this business and create this business, there's probably one skill that's kind of the common thread. It's the one thing that ties them all together and you realize, hey, all these other skills have happened because I have this, this one superpower. And sort of with that framing, what do you think that that superpower is for you? I think my superpower is that I can always maintain a positive mindset, no matter what happens to me. Um, It took me a while to realize that, but your mindset is 50% of any battle. So I believe that is my true superpower. Yeah. And that's, that's really interesting too, because, you know, you're not a lot of us have the experience of dealing with chronic illness and things like that personally in trying to develop our business. So having, um, I, I would imagine that the positive attitude not only applies to being able to overcome those chronic illnesses and keep on moving forward, but also to build and develop a business. Um, so just sort of with that in mind, how, how do you recommend other people who are looking at dealing with difficult situations, whether that's in their business and they're running into problems or they actually, you know, they have chronic illnesses or their family have chronic illnesses. How do you keep or develop a positive attitude? Um, So how I look at it as there's a reason I started this business. And every time I get frustrated or I say, I can't do this, I always go back to my why. Why did I start this company? And that is to help people and to um, make a difference in the world and leave it better than when I first got here. And um, so every single time adversity hit back to just remembering my why and doing everything I possibly can to maintain that positive mindset. I honestly think you have to go through adversity to really build that strong mindset. And that's where I think the blessing of being an athlete comes into play, having that opportunity to face adversity every single day to build that positive mindset because you need it as an athlete as well. Yeah, yeah. And I know that there's that metaphor of, uh, you know, you strengthen steel by forging it with fire, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And it's the same kind of thing with, you know, dealing with chronic illness or, you know, building a business is it's not it's not the uh, the the bull markets, right? The easy side of the market that makes great entrepreneurs. It's the difficult things and overcoming the challenges and the problems um, that right. make you a great entrepreneur. Um, and one of the things that uh, I've always sort of held dear is this idea that um, you have to have something in your life that you're willing to cry or die for, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's it it can't be a it can't be like a love of money. It can't be a love of, you know, of, of superficial things, right? It's got to be something that you've got an emotional connection with that drives you to deal with that adversity. 
And what I love so much about your answer is it ties perfectly in with the whole concept. And the reason I, I built this show is that, you know, culturally, we have this mistaken idea, idea that entrepreneurs are always the villains, right? And, you know, you don't have to, right. you have to look no further than like your kids' TV show to watch that, like the bad guy is always some business guy who, you know, for the love of the dollar is willing to kill all the baby ducks by pouring oil on their faces or some <laughs> variation thereof, right? Um, and it's, it's always culturally like that. And the reality is so much different, right? Entrepreneurs are the ones who want to leave this world better than they found it. Um, and they're looking at the problems in the world and saying, hey, how, how can I solve this using my tools and experience and perspective to make the world a better place. And it sounds like that's exactly how you're coming at this problem. And that's what drives you to, uh, to move forward. Yeah, definitely. And I do want to add on that. Um, I love failing, which might sound weird, but entrepreneurship is all about failing and growing. So yeah. I got to a point where I was able to accept failure. When I first started this, I was 18. I knew I was going to make so many mistakes because I didn't have experience, but that's how you get the experience is to fail and make mistakes. But the thing is you can make the mistakes, but you need to learn from them and grow. Yeah. I, uh, I say all the time to my kids and to my staff and to myself that, uh, failure, uh, is just failures are just stepping stones to success. Exactly. So um, the only difference between me and another business owner and maybe someone who's not quite far as long as I am is like the number of times that we failed. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, the more failure you've had, the more successful you'll be. But um, being open to as it as well, you know, because yeah. when I was an athlete, I, I'd fail all the time and I, I knew I had to get better from that failure. They call it's called errors in softball and baseball. You make an error, but you need to learn from it and grow and get better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, the, in the, in the marketing world, which is the world my business is in, um, we talk about, uh, conversion rate a lot, which is, mm -hmm. you know, the number of people who see an item for sale versus the number of people who buy it. Um, and right. So the, uh, a 50% conversion rate would mean that if you had 50 people see your product or a hundred people see your product, 50 of them would buy. Right. And the reality is, is like that never happens. There's right. nothing in, in the world where you succeed most of the time. The reality is in business and in marketing and in sales, all of that, you're looking at, you know, anywhere from three to 10 to 20%, you know, sales or success rates when most of it is going to be failure. Um, and that's the way most businesses are too, right? It's, it's, uh, the, the failure is, is going to be the overwhelming majority of what you do. Um, but the, 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 the best part about that is it's the successes, you know, one success can outweigh the, uh, the difference between, uh, you know, a hundred failures if you, if you're, uh, learning from them. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, um, there's a saying in softball that it's a game of failure. And, uh, what I did, I took that saying and I just use it towards my business. It's the same thing. It's crazy to me. Like thinking back that when you're playing a sport, you're just playing a sport either for fun or competitive. But it's just crazy how it prepared me for being a patient and being a business owner. It, you just don't think of it when you're 15 years old running around on a softball field. So it just it blows my mind every single time I think about it. It's, it's amazing how life rhymes like that, mm -hmm. right? where, where things, they, they go together and your skills can translate from one place to another. And it's one of the things we, we talk about regularly on this show is that 
the skills and the things that you develop in other areas of life, you can bring to your business, right? And you have this ability yeah. to take those stacked skills and actually the perspective and the kind of stuff that you've earned over your life of experiences and turn those into um, ways to bring value to the world. Yeah. And I mean, even um, when I got sick, like today, I actually have a really bad migraine, but I put a smile on my face and do what I need to do to get through the day. And um, I always think that you can't control the hand you've been dealt, but you can play the hand or you can fold. So I kind of look at, you know, my situation with my health. There was a point where I just kept saying, why me? Why me? And a friend sent me a quote. I think it was like, you, the biggest issues are given to the toughest soldiers. I can't remember it word for word, but kind of when I read that, I realized that I can only control what I can control, but my attitude is what I can control. And that will always be positive no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. So if your superpower is your ability to keep and hold that positive attitude, the flip side of that, of course, is your fatal flaw. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, every Superman has his kryptonite and Wonder Woman can't remove her bracelets of victory without going mad. You probably have something that you've struggled with. Maybe for me, it was a couple of things. I struggled with perfectionism for a long time, which kept me mm -hmm. from wanting to actually ship products. I could always, you know, tweak it a little bit before bringing it to market and then you know, never bring it to market. Um, and, you know, another one I struggled with was uh, self-care, right, where I would uh, a lack of self-care where I would let my clients walk all over me and didn't have good boundaries and things like that. You learn to fix those some of those things over time. But I think more important than what the flaw is, is how have you worked to overcome it so that you can continue to grow and grow your business? Hopefully sharing that will, uh, um, with our listeners will help them learn from your experience. So my biggest flaw that I actually still deal with to this day, I have not been able to fix it yet. And it might not even be considered truly a flaw is acceptance of everything that has happened. Um, literally the appointment where I was diagnosed. I was diagnosed. I lost my sport, lost all my scholarships and was literally told, get ready, kid, you're having brain surgery all in one afternoon. So yeah. So it, it's been really hard for me to accept this new life and my new adjustments, which I was go, go, go for 13 years. I could do anything. And some days I can't even get out of bed. So that's really hard for me to accept. And I think it might be even holding me back a little bit. But so I can't give any advice on how I worked through it because I'm still in the process working through it, but maintaining that positive mindset. But it's very hard for me to accept that everything happened and that I know this condition will be for the rest of my life. So I know you're still working through it actively, but if you imagine for a moment that say one person in our audience just got a diagnosis like yours, what would your advice to them be for moving forward from there? Um, you're not alone. I, um, I was diagnosed with a rare condition. So I'm like, oh, I'm the only one who has it. I don't know why I kept thinking that for a while because I felt so alone in this process. Yes, I had have an incredible support group, family, friends, but I just felt so alone because they weren't the one dealing with the migraines or going into surgery. And my mom actually said to me, you know, when they give you medicine um, right before the surgery, my mom looked at me and she said, 
I would do anything to trade places with you and be on that operating table. And I said back to her, well, you can't, you won't ever be on the operating table. It's me on that table. And so the feeling of being alone, even though I'm not, that's something else that I'm working through. But I want a listener to know that you are not alone. And it's okay to cry and be vulnerable because that also took me a while. Because as an athlete, you're told, oh, you can't cry. But when I realized that strength is in crying and and talking about your emotions and what you're going through. um, So just know that you are not alone. So the thing that's interesting about sort of your answer there is one of the things that comes up regularly in my discussions with other entrepreneurs and here on this show and our mastermind mm-hmm. groups is that business owners frequently also feel alone, yep. right? Because you're in this great wide world of people that we interact with on a daily basis. Entrepreneurs are kind of the crazy ones, mm-hmm. right? We're doing different things. We're not living a normal life. We're not earning money in a normal way. We're not, uh, right. we don't do normal things with our time. And a lot of times that can feel lonely. Um, and I know one of the most effective things for dealing with that as an entrepreneur is learning how to get into support groups and things like that. I know in the entrepreneur world, we call those generally masterminds, right? Um, and it's, you know, you know, getting around like-minded people who are do- dealing with the same things. Um, and it's interesting that it's it's another one of those things that sort of rhymes in those two experiences where it does. Yeah. <laughs> where you have to deal with exactly, the same struggles. Yeah, I knew exactly once you started talking, I knew exactly where you're going with that about entrepreneurship and feeling lonely. But um what I do is, you know, there's always groups on Facebook, and this isn't the entrepreneurship side, this is the chronic illness side. Um, I go and find these groups on Facebook and it's like Kiari Malformation Group. And at first, when I first looked it up, I'm like, oh, there can't be that many groups. It's rare. Then when I looked it up and I see like 200,000 people in one group, I'm like, oh, wow. So I start joining the groups and start interacting with others. And um, yeah, so it it is the same with entrepreneurship. You just feel like you're kind of on like an island. You know, you have to make all the decisions. And so, yeah, it it is very lonely, but it is rewarding in a weird way, you know? (laughs) <laughs> it is. And I know at some point you get, you find people who are, you find your tribe and you move forward right. and you have, you have people that, you know, that can, that can relate to your problems and, you know, and kick you in the ass when you need a little, a uh, little pick me up and that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's, it's certainly helpful to, uh, to move forward and grow and help you deal with the problems that come along with, um, with running a business and doing those things. So I want to talk, um, shift a little bit and start talking about your common enemy right? And every superhero has an arch nemesis, right? It's a thing that they constantly have to fight against in their world, right? And in the world of business, it takes on a lot of forms, but generally speaking, we put it in the context of your clients, your customers, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it's a mindset or it's a flaw that you have to overcome so that they can get the results that they're looking for. So in your business, talking about medical journals and helping people have better conversations with their doctors. If you had a magic wand when they, you know, picked up your journal for the first time and you could just bop them on the head and help them, you know, achieve, you know, their, their results, which is again, that, that better communication with their doctors, what kind of like advice would you give them? What's that sort of common enemy that, you know, chronic illness sufferers are dealing with and, um, and you sort of see all the time. I think um, that, Patience 
look at doctors where they always have the answers. And um, when we go to an appointment, we're not prepared. Like we prepare for everything in our life. And it's weird. We don't prepare for our health the way we should. So that's what I'm trying to change. Um, But I would, with the magic wand, I would push on teamwork. Patient, doctor, you're a team to get a better outcome for you. And it literally goes back to softball. You have coaches and you have the players. You work together to create the team that's successful. So if just maybe the patient is showing up or maybe the doctor's just showing up, it's not going to be successful if they don't show up together and work. Yeah, yeah. And how 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 does your product help with that, help with that teamwork aspect of, of dealing with chronic illness? The patient can track before they go to the doctor. They can ask those questions in their journal in the appointment notes section, say, okay, I have to ask Dr. Smith this, this is urgent. Let me start it. Or let me put it in the app as a reminder or in a checklist. Um, it allows for open communication and better communication. I'll give you an example. So I have to see my neurosurgeon a few times a year. I have to get MRIs, CAT scans done. And um, lately I've been having numbness and tingling throughout my whole body. And I've never had that until after the surgery. And in our journal, we have an enlarged human body chart. So I was able to pinpoint exactly where the pins and needles are in my whole body. Also, I have certain areas that have back pain. It's not just one side. It's scattered. It's weird. And I walked into the appointment, sat down. I showed my neurosurgeon the human body image. It took him about two seconds to look at it. We put it down and he was pinning and, you know, broke a stick and touching my skin. And that took probably a minute. And he knew exactly what was wrong. His little test he did with the stick matched my image that I drew. And we were able to spend a minute and get a conclusion. But if I went to that appointment, And I just, I had no way to prepare myself. We would be staring at each other saying, yeah, my back hurts. Okay, where does it hurt? I can't remember. It's everywhere. And when you say it's everywhere, that doesn't help you. Yeah, yeah. It's like finding a needle in a haystack of a bajillion nerves all over your system. So with with the journal and all that, what it it really helps you be a, a member of the team instead of having this chronic illness that's something that's happening to you. It's something that you are actively engaging with and working to correct. Yeah. You become your own healthcare advocate. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So, so if, if your common enemy is, is the thing that, you know, your clients are fighting against, right. And learning how to become their own healthcare advocates and being an active participant in that process, that's something that they're, they have to fight against that sort of resistance to wanting to do that and just letting their illness happen to them. The flip side of that, is your driving force is what you fight for in your business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or Google fights to index and categorize all of the world's information. What is it that you guys fight for in your business, your mission, so to speak? Our mission is to put every individual in the driver's seat of their own health. <laughs> so, what does that what does that mean for someone who has a chronic condition to be in the driver's seat? It kind of means exactly what it's saying. You are in full control. 
instead of relying on the doctor or relying on these other medical professionals, you are in control because it's your pain points, your issues. You want to be in full control of your health and not rely on someone else. So how, how do you sort of help customers or help people who are dealing with chronic illnesses get over that mental barrier of saying, this is happening to me and I'm not in control to make that shift to say, I am in control, even though I have to deal with in your, you know, in your case, this rare brain condition that might make you feel out of control. Like, you, you know, you didn't choose that. It happened to right. you. So how do you sort of reclaim that control and that feeling of being in control of your health? So that is actually something I am still working on. Obviously, I use the journal and the app religiously, but I know I'm being proactive there. But I think that also falls with the acceptance I'm working on. It's hard for me to accept this new condition, this my new limitations. So, but I know that I am actively doing everything I possibly can. And when my doctor says, okay, you need to do this, this, and this. Uh, my adherence is there. I am doing everything they say because I want to get better. I want to be in control and have a better quality of life. I think everybody would want that. Yeah. Yeah. makes a lot of sense. So I want to shift our conversation a little bit away from um, talking about, you know, the chronic conditions and whatnot. Talk a little bit more practically about running a business, mm-hmm. right? And I call this your, your hero's tool belt, right? And um, just like every superhero has their tool belt with awesome gadgets like, you know, batarangs or web slingers or laser eyes, or, you know, in Thor's case, a big magical hammer. Um, I want to talk about the top one or two tools you use that you couldn't live without to actually build, run, grow your business, right? It could be anything from a notepad that you use, your calendar to keep track of your time and appointments or the tools you use for marketing and sales, um, or, you know, something you use to deliver the results for your clients, anything that you think is essential to getting your job done in your business and actually growing that company and growing its impact in, in the community you serve. So first I would start with my mentors. They are a huge tool for me. I, um, when I first had the idea for this and when I made the decision at the hospital that I will start this business. I didn't know where to look. You, you Google, how do you start a business? And it doesn't really give you the right answer. So um, what I did was, yeah. So what I did was I went to, I was in school at that time and I went to um, a a professor and who I'm actually very close with now. She comes to my keynote speaking events. It's awesome. I went to her and I said, listen, I need a mentor. I need some type of guidance. And she told me about, um, SBDC, which mm-hmm. works with uh, entrepreneurs. And I started with them at 17, 18 years old. I'm still with my uh, mentor now to this day. I actually spoke to her yesterday. And um, I knew that I had no clue what I was doing. And I needed to admit that. But I had a goal and I have the motivation to achieve it. So my mentors and I grew, um, I have about five mentors now that all help me in different departments. So I would say, number one, they are the biggest part of my um, toolbox. And also my team that I have working with me and for me, um, they have been a driving force, motivation for me. Um, And a simple tool, like you're saying, like a notebook or something, I would probably say a notebook. I agree with you on that. 
with me having brain surgery, it's really hard for me to remember um, a lot. I have memory loss. I have a lot of other symptoms and I need to write things down. And I think that's kind of answers your question you had before about why a paper journal first. It's very therapeutic when you can write things down. So those are my three biggest assets to uh, the company right now. So your mentors, your team, and your notebook for keeping mm-hmm. track of things. And just out of curiosity, where, what, how big is your team right now? Like how, how big of an organization are you actually running? I know you're sort of at the beginning of just launching your, your app um, and you've been mm-hmm. doing the journal for a little while now. How, what, how big is the organization and where do you plan on seeing it go over the next couple of years? We are under, we're about 10, maybe nine, 10. Um, I have a few interns. I have um, development team, business development. So we're just under 10. Um, And where I'd like to see this go is I would like to try to bring new people on one to two every single year and double that growth. But obviously you need to double the revenue to achieve that. So um, we are setting the short-term, long-term goals, but I'd like to bring on more um, team members this year. So how, how does it feel in the midst of a pandemic where our economy (laughs) is struggling and these kind of things to be the kind of person who is providing jobs and income and livelihood to, to other people. It feels really good to know that you're helping to put a roof over their head and food on the table. Um, But I can tell you this pandemic has made it difficult as anybody listening would know. Um, but it is a blessing. And I, when I was, um, it was weird when I was 10, I said to myself, I will own a business and it will be to help people. And it was crazy that I knew it'd be maybe down the road, 30, 40 years old. I never thought at 17 that that dream would be coming true. So it, it's also really humbling to me that, that I know that one of my dreams I said as a little girl came true. Yeah, that's amazing. And I know part of that, the other side of that, it feels cool and it feels good to do that. But at the same time, there's that responsibility that like, hey, I yeah. can't drop the ball here as the the growth driver behind this business because I've got other families and, you know, sometimes kids and other things that if we don't continue to succeed, you know, these people don't get to feed their kids. And that's always a, a huge responsibility. It is. And it's always in the back of your mind. You think about it, you know, all the time. And like you just said, you really can't drop the ball. They rely on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a, it's a fascinating thing. And I know it's something that I'm still, you know, I I'm new to having a team myself. We've only had a team for a couple of years in my business. And that, uh, that thought and that responsibility is always there in the back of my mind. They're like, Hey, I got to keep going and got to keep, keep everything, uh, going and growing so we can continue to provide that and hopefully grow. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I sort of love that challenge and that, that feeling, but I know it's one of the the risks that keep people out of the entrepreneurship world and wanting to grow a team yeah. and grow, a, grow a business. So, um, yeah. I know it's a, it's part of that thing that makes us crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, um, when I was first starting this, I had a bunch of people say, Oh, I don't think you should do that. I think you should stay in school, go get a job, get experience. And I can't even tell you how many people I actually had tell me that. And at first I started to believe it because at that age, you listen to people, you feel like you don't know anything. And, um, but if I didn't take the risk now, it, 
it just wouldn't matter. I mean, it was so worth it. And I'm in school. It's not like I'm just running the business. And if it's not successful, I'm not doing anything else. That's not true. I'm uh, running the business, full-time student, full-time dealing with my chronic condition, writing two books at the moment. And um, I'm so blessed that I... keynote speeches. Yeah, keynote speeches. COVID has changed that. I'll tell you that. I'm not a fan of the Zoom um, keynote speeches. I've done a few. I like in person. I like interacting. But I am just blessed that I did take that leap of faith. And I jumped and landing stuck. And I think it's an incredible story to say I started at 17. Yeah, yeah. Where are you? Uh, How old are you now? I just turned 23. 23? So you've been running this business for five years? Uh. Yeah, it's been launched for two and a half, but yeah, designing for two and a half. From like inception. Yeah, yeah. So then, yeah. That's cool. Speaking of heroic tools, I want to take a few minutes to tell you about a tool we built that powers the Hero Show and is now this show's primary sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. You're listening to The Hero Show, unlocking the power of influence and success. So you sort of already talked about my next question, which is about your own, you know, heroes and mentors and stuff like that. So I'm going to I want to talk a little bit about your guiding principles. Um, Right. And one of the things that makes heroes heroic is that they live by a code. Right. For instance, Batman never kills his enemies. He only ever brings them to Arkham Asylum. So as we sort of wrap up the interview, I'm going to talk about the top one or maybe two principles you use regularly in your life. Maybe something you wish you had known when you first became an entrepreneur and started out on your own hero's journey. Uh, well, I actually just touched on it. I don't, I kick myself every time I think about it. I needed to stop listening to so many people and taking advice from people who were not successful. Um, I should have listened to the people who were successful and where I wanted to be. Um, so that was one thing, but another one is I'm always kind of on the go. I'm always wanting to do something. I get bored so quickly. And I actually think that's a fault in business. If I'm doing something, I can get bored very quickly and it's like, eh, okay, let me not do that. But you know, you have to do it. So I would say that, and just, I love, um, connecting with people, networking, talking to people. So I think that is another um, way that I interact with the customers. I make it personable. 
Um, I always believe that the person who understands the customer the most will be the most successful. And I literally am a customer. Yeah. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. So um, I really like the, the, the principle of choosing your people you listen to wisely. Mm -hmm. And I remember as a kid, I was reading the uh, Robert Kiyosaki's books, the rich dad, poor dad series Mm -hmm. of books. And I remember in one of those books, I was probably, I don't know, 13 years old at the time. And he mentions in one of those books that he's like, you have to pick your mentors wisely and you don't have to choose them based on their whole life experience. Right. So, um, and, and the idea was that like, if you have someone in your life, who's got really good results financially, but doesn't have great results with their family, maybe Mm -hmm. you take advice from their business, but you don't take their advice on how to, how to write with their relationship advice. So you can like, you can pick and choose your mentors based on on where they have the success and where they don't. And I realized early on that like, you know, for instance, my dad is a fantastic father and he's Mm -hmm. really good in his, in his job, in his community, but he's not an entrepreneur and he never has been and ever will be. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. But I realized that like I had to, I had to, as a young kid sort of like split out what I was willing to listen to who for, which is like a big decision as a kid. You're like, Hey, I'm not, you know, I'm going to the advice my dad gives me on business and like other stuff. I'm not going to listen to. And I remember mm-hmm. having a couple of conversations early on where I'm like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do for college. And this is what I'm going to do after college. And him telling me, I don't like those. And I don't think mm-hmm. you should do them. I don't think it's smart and having to do it anyways, because that's what my mentors in business, you know, said were were good ideas. And like, that's a hard thing to learn how to do, but over the right. years, it is. you get a lot better at picking and choose, choosing the people who have the results in the area you want and then learning to listen to them and then ignore everything else. Yeah. And I actually can relate to you with my dad and my mom. They're fantastic parents. My, I will not go to my mom for business advice. <laughs> I will only go to her for, <laughs> she's brilliant when it comes down to written stuff, grammar. I will only go to her for that if I really need her. And my dad, my dad actually started a cabinet company when he was 19. Um, then he sold it a yeah. few years later, but cabinets and medical is completely different. I will only go to him for sales advice. That is it. Out of the whole umbrella of business, sales advice is the only thing I go to him for. And it took me a minute to realize that with what you just said, I respect my parents. And I felt like, why would I not just kind of talk to them about everything like we do with personal stuff? But I realized that I need to just focus on asking him sales only and realize what he's good at, what I need help with and find mentors and other places. Like me saying I have five mentors, you, that's a lot. But what I did was I have one for sales, one for marketing, one for PR, one for overall business operations. So I break it down and pick the best ones. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, that's a hard concept as an entrepreneur to learn and then to put into practice. Cause just as human nature, I think is to, I like this person, therefore I respect all the things they say. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's like, those two things aren't, don't have to be true at the same time. Right. Right. Um, And so, um, yeah, I I was just going to say there was, I had a gut instinct on a situation in business. And I actually, this was before I realized I got to stop listening to my parents or asking them certain things. Um, I had a gut feeling to do one thing, but my parents kept saying, no, I think you should do the other. And I was right. My gut was right. And I just, out of respect, I just kept listening to them and um, 
but that's where I actually learned you have to see who's strong where. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, uh, I, I totally feel you there. I've got all sorts of stories about that from different <laughs> people, my parents, family, friends, and everything. And, you know, we probably talk for hours just about where you find good advice versus bad <laughs> advice. Um, but that's such, a, such an important thing as an entrepreneur to learn that skill, to learn how to know when to listen to who. Um, and when to seek out advice when you don't have the right answers yourself. So um, that's a mm-hmm. it's a powerful principle. Um, and I think that's a really good place to sort of end our interview. Um, but I do have one final thing I do with all of my all of my guests, and it's something simple. I call it the Heroes Challenge. And I do this as a selfish way to sort of find stories I might not otherwise find from people who aren't actively looking to be interviewed on podcasts, right? So do you, the question is simple. Do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story on our show? First person that sort of comes to mind for you. Um, someone who also stepped in as a mentor. She's kind of my go-to. I'm actually in the same office as her right now. <laughs> um, my good friend, Nicole, um, she owns an HR firm. And the work she does for businesses is incredible, but her backstory um, is incredible as well. I'm not sure if she'd be open to sharing that, but she's a young entrepreneur and that is inspirational as it is. Well, the, uh, the, the worst that can happen is we can ask and maybe she's interested in sharing her story, which is why we do that because we're always looking for fascinating people to talk to on our show. So um, thank you for that. We'll reach out after the show and see if we can get uh, Nicole to come on and share her story. Maybe we'll get that. Maybe we won't. But in comic books, there is always the crowd of people at the uh, the end of their, their heroic acts that are clapping and cheering for their for their heroism. Our analogous to that in this show is where can people find you, right? Where can they light up the bat signal, so to speak, and say, hey, you know what, Jordan, I would really like to get your help. I know someone who's got a chronic condition or I have a chronic condition. Where can they go to get your help? Um, and I think more importantly, who are the best types of people to reach out and actually make use of your products? Um, the best people to make use of the product, obviously, chronic illness patients, caregivers. If you have multiple health conditions, the journal and the app is really beneficial to you. Um, but you guys can find me. Uh, limitlessmedicallogs.com is the website. After I do podcasts, I always get people who reach out to me and share their story. So if you have a chronic condition or even you're an athlete overcoming adversity, please feel free to reach out. Um, I will get back to you. Um, my Instagram is jordanray25, so I get DMs with stories. And um, you can find the app completely free for three to four months on both app stores. It's Limitless Medical Logs. Awesome. So thank you so much for coming on, Jordan. It has been a pleasure speaking to you and getting to hear your story and the adversity that you've overcome and everything, especially at such a young age. Um, So super fascinating to hear your story. Before we finish up and hit this uh, stop record button, do you have any final words of wisdom for our audience? Never give up. Don't ever give up no matter what you're going through, whether it's business or you're dealing with a chronic condition. Just keep fighting, keep pushing and never give up. Yeah, yeah. And that goes right along with that idea that failure is not an end, right? It's a it's a step along the journey. Um, and if you don't give up, failure is not permanent. Um, so right. <laughs> I wow, really appreciate you. <laughs> thank you so much. For coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs>